your body can heal anything. Just know, given the right circumstances, given the right support, your body can heal itself and do anything. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you Dr. Jody Duval. Now, if you're not familiar with Dr. Jody's work, she is a naturopath out of Australia, and she has a concept that she's been working on with several other doctors called Health Optimization Medicine. They actually have a nonprofit that's built around this concept, and it's about using the tools we know from a functional medicine world, tools from lifestyle to optimize our health at different points throughout our life. So one of the things that we discuss in this episode is how we live in a reactive healthcare system where we assume we're healthy until a symptom shows up. And then once the symptom shows up, we treat it with either a change in lifestyle or we treat it with a supplement or a medication. Well, in a world of health optimization, you would look at every age and stage that you go through and move into those stages with a proactive approach to your health. So I fell in love with this concept so much that I wanted to bring Jody on to the Resetter podcast to talk about what should we be doing the first seven years of our life? What should we be doing with our lifestyle in our teen years? What should we do in our 20s and 30s? What should we do at menopause? And what do we need to be focused on in our senior years? It was mind-blowing, and I hope that it will give you all a bigger perspective as to how we can go into new phases in our life and change our lifestyle so that we can thrive in that next phase. And she gives some really concrete examples. We talked about everything from toxicity to EMFs. A lot of time when we got to the teenage years, we talked about what EMFs are doing to the brain. We talked about what you need to do before you get pregnant. We talked about, of course, as you go into menopause. And then my favorite, perhaps, was her recommendation for seniors. So if you guys are looking for a proactive form of healthcare, this is the discussion that will change the way you look at the power you have over the diseases you get and the symptoms you will have as you age. So unbelievable conversation with Dr. Jody Duval, health optimization medicine. I'm really excited to bring this one to you. Hey, Resetters. As we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. 
My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. Is the old model of healthcare where we're born healthy, we stay healthy, then we get a symptom and we go to the doctor and perhaps get a diagnosis and then we fix our health when something appears? Do you think that model of healthcare is going away? I hope so. It's going to take a little while, though, and that's where a lot of these key players in the industry are really trying to shift that needle. And I feel the model is not effective. Um, I, I was just having a chat to one of my friends in Australia here who works in the health department and tried to work on emergency care. And we all know that the emergency model as well as acute care model works, but it, it's it's overwhelmed. And in that way, we need to offset some of that responsibility from the hospitals, from the key players of the, the GPs into areas where prevention is more of a focus. And this is where prevention and awareness for health is, is the major, you know, looking at that. So I don't think the model that we've got is effective currently in both US and Australia and, you know, majority of the world a lot of it needs to be focused on prevention. And just walking here today, I was thinking about masks. You know, there's a mandatory mask for even us at the moment. We're in lockdown. Why can't we have a mandatory, you know, don't eat junk food? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I am right there with you. It's so easy to put a mandatory mask in place, but how can we not put a mandatory don't eat junk food or, you know, multiple other things. Don't put chemicals in foods. Don't put heavy metals in your mouth. Don't, all these sorts of things need to come together. So yeah, not effective would be my answer. Yeah. And so we're hearing more and more about a new version of healthcare emerging. I do think Mm -hmm. we're at a really interesting moment in history where there is this breakdown of this old paradigm, but the new paradigm 
hasn't really emerged, which is why I love this idea of this health optimization medicine. I, I had never heard it called me- health optimization medicine. I think it's a brilliant mm-hmm. concept. And so as this new version of healthcare emerges, why do you think today in this day and age that we need to do it differently? Couldn't we just stay with the old model? What is it about the old model that's not working? And what is it about the environment that we're living in right now that needs a new model? Yeah. So I think looking at something like the exposomics area, which is that science of exposure of toxins, the environment, what it looks like at the moment with how many toxins, and we can break that down a little bit later, you know, mm-hmm. chemicals, we've got even internal toxins that we produce ourselves. Why that's not working is that we, we've, we've not, evolutionarily, we, we've not evolved quick enough to deal with this. Our bodies aren't used to looking at this type of an environment and coping. So our, our buckets, and I know you say this too many, our buckets are too full, our toxic bu- yeah. buckets, our deficiencies are too low, they interplay, they inversely look at each other, you know, so yeah. the, the higher the toxins, the lower the deficiencies, the lower deficiencies, the higher the toxins. And so this bucket is overflowing for everyone because our bodies aren't efficient or aren't, aren't evolved yet to deal with this and I don't know if they ever will be because there's just more and more and more coming on board yeah Yeah. so so much more is coming on board so why we need it now is because our current system's not we've got chronic disease everywhere and it's not getting any better in so many different areas you know we could talk about diabetes we could talk about obesity we could talk about fertility which we I'm sure you're going to get into and the health, the mental health aspect, our, our bodies just aren't coping. And this, these sorts of toxins, I think people don't realise, a lot. Of, I know your, or your audience would, but a lot of it's invisible. The yes, EMF, yes. the ELF, the, the, the electromagnetic, um, you know, infrequencies that go on and, and us not being actually, you know, letting go of all that into the earth, those electrons, they build up. So... All of that aspect looks at, you know, our, we need to move this model. It's not working, that there is no improvements happening. So the prevention, the the different layering that we need to put on top of that, you know, it, it's, it's complex and, and it's overwhelming for a lot of the industry uh, in so many yeah. different ways. Do you think that the pandemic and the amount of immune compromised humans we have on this planet is a a sign of the body not being able to handle the toxic load that we're being delivered every day? Absolutely. Yeah. And immunity is is one of those key factors that that struggle, you know, as well as the the foods that we're eating and the sugars and the the high consumption of all the, the rancid oils or the processed oils. Yes. And, and immune, you know, that's one of the things that our, our immune adaptive system when we're younger, and we'll talk through, you know, all those sort of life stages, but it's more so looking at uh, why, why our bodies aren't adapting very well into the, into the immune environment. And there are multiple players in that. It's just not because of the, the toxins that are outside in the environment. It's what we're putting in, what we're, what we're taking, medications, you know, even I'll go into, you know, not go into, but the vaccines component because of what's in them. Um, and our body's not using those effectively, not creating the, the right environment to protect itself. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's huge. And that's why it's I sort huge. of, when I try and talk to my clients about this, 
it's, it's so overwhelming for them to go. So everything I come in contact with could be a toxin. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, in, in any yeah. shape or form. It could be turning into a toxin. It could be something you're consuming with ha- which has something in it, which could be glyphosate that has, um, you know, that, that, that could harm gut microbiome. So there is so many, so many, so many that we could talk about. Um, and then furnitures and home environment and moulds and, yeah. So when they and walk it's out, depressing. Oh, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like a downer when I talk about toxins. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm just reporting what the world we're living in. Do you Absolutely. think it's a? Uh, do you think it's? A, and I want to go through from like the day we're born till when mm. we're a senior and talk about how we can optimize different times of our life. But do you think it's a little bit about like that frog, you know, the frog theory where if you put a frog in boiling water, the frog jumps out. But if you put a, a frog in water and you slowly bring the heat up, it dies because it doesn't know to jump out. Are we that second frog right now? <laughs> I think you put it perfectly. <laughs> Another way I also like to look at it is when you're looking at genetics, you know, how we have adapted or not adapted as fast, you know, genetics is sort of loading the gun and then the environment sort of pulling the trigger, which Perfect. is even interesting, you know, that, yeah. that <laughs> right. we'll get into what to do soon. And that's where I find is that lightness is, is when you when you look at um, how to fix this sort of thing or what you can do, what your actions are, and that, that brings you out of the, the, the depressive state of our environment because there's so much you can do. So, yeah. so don't get yeah. Right. And it's invisible. So I think one of the things that we see with our community is because toxins are invisible and yeah. because the rest of the world, the majority of the world is asleep to the toxic load that humans are getting, that if you're just in mainstream world, it's very easy to not see it. Yet mm. the human race is suffering with their, with our health and it, there's need, we need more people like you uh, and myself and other health influencers out there that are trying to give concrete tools that we can do so that we thrive in this environment because the environment has changed and yeah. people are slowly waking up to that. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's, but I see these stages that go through with with clients, friends, family, and they sort of they wake up, and there's this mm. perpetual fear that they feel, and it's 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 really that it sends them into a bit of a spin, and then they start to really get fearful, uh, you know, taking control, and it sort of gets this cycle of like I'm going to do everything, you know. Buying, ah, the, yes. buying the EMF meters, cleaning the house, cleaning out the mold, redo, you know, do redoing bathrooms. And I even went through that myself when I first found out about all of this sort of stuff, yeah. you know, 10 plus years ago. And then, and then you start to calm down a little bit and you think, okay, so we don't need to do everything. We just need to keep that balance. And I think getting to that point is really important for a lot of people and for that A, for people like you and me and other health professionals and other advocates need to get people to that point because then we're otherwise they're adding to the fear. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that can be as harmful in terms of stress and all those aspects to, as anything else. And that's sort of that's where I like to have my clients leave my office at sort of that renewed state of feeling mm. safe and con- and can control some of their environment. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said. So, okay. So let's go to just so we can help people put some of these concepts into action. 
Um, let's go. I want to go through each timeline of life and say, yeah. okay, if it, I'm going to call it the old school healthcare, which is do nothing until you have a symptom. And mm-hmm. I'm going to call the new healthcare, what you're calling it health optimization. So yes. if we were going to take the principles of health optimization and apply it now from the day we're born till the day we die, let's say at let's say 120, because we're actually meant to live to 120. Let's start with the first seven years. What the first seven years is when the, when the blood brain barrier is not fully formed. What would a mother right now of a child who is seven or under really need to think about to keep that child's health at an optimal level? Yeah. So first I like to then focus on environment so that's that's again we'll, we'll keep with the theme of you know the environment probably is the, the the biggest influencer because it can influence multiple levels of generations so when you're looking at that I would say first things first is mother's milk so making sure mum which we'll get to at the end you know so it's sort of like the chicken and the egg making sure the mother right. is providing the correct nutrients in terms of breast milk and that's that first thing Birth as well is and a how really can you know important know that? Factor. Well, you can't. You can't, you know, measure every person's milk. Bringing them into this life, doing the preconception care is that really important part to make sure that there are, you know, I on every one of my preconception clients who are looking to have babies, I always do heavy metal testing. I always do environmental testing on them, which we can get to at the end. But Yeah, so smart. That follows through and and looking at up to up in nutrients we do the metabolomics we, we do those testings to make sure all those key nutrients for uh, creating a, a, a baby a healthy beautiful baby is are there well, I also look at um, so in terms of the child we're looking at the quality of the milk which means also the food the mum's eating at the time and the stress you know that we, we forget a lot of the time where the the heart the heart rhythms really have a huge impact on mm on even fetuses and young babies and all the way through, like it affects everyone around us, but so much more babies because they're relying purely on that feedback system from their mother. So stress and those learned behaviours of dealing with certain situations are really passed on through there. So that, that is a health in itself because that's our coping strategy for the rest of our life and how we're dealing with it and how our physiology is responding to those stressors and that can you know, make make or break sometimes a system when we're looking at big stress. So that's a major component. And then plastics. I see so, so many mothers giving their babies, um, you know, plastic products. And I, I love this book and I've always got it here in my little library to show people, but I'm not sure if you've read that. Death oh, my rubber. gosh, no. S- slow Death by Rubber Ducky. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So... I read that maybe uh, 15 years ago before I had children and I was, I was absolutely mortified <laughs> as books do to you sometimes and it yes. just stunned me that that was that one thing. So every time I see plastic in a baby's mouth or any time I see even just touching plastic toys, you know, which we can't get away from sometimes and that's understandable and that's, again, that, you know, don't look at it this too deep and just try and control what you can and minimise it. But that influences fertility, their periods, their endocrine system, their toxicities, their, all these aspects. And because the blood-brain barrier is still forming, the immune system is still forming, the gut is still forming, 
in in a, in a sense, you know, that's maturing. Mm-hmm. So these sorts of things can really, really impact how all of that runs and how the the, mm-hmm. the, the storage of some of these estrogen mimickers can run and, and so on and so forth. So I would say that's a major one for a lot of women and families to recognise and minimise. So wood toys without all the chemicals and really focusing on those sorts of aspects. The next yeah, one I would say, great. yeah, the next one I would say, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is mothers, fathers, families having their phone mm. on top of the baby in the pram. Wow. <laughs> and that's a very specific example, but I see it so much, so, 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 so much. So in itself, you know, because of that blood-brain barrier, because of the the, the softness of, of the brain skeletal system, the, the influx of those sorts of EMFs and electromagnetic fields can really have a huge impact on brain on brain support, brain growth for babies. Wow. And again, you know, it's not it's it's minimally researched. So we do have small amounts of evidence there, but not huge amounts of evidence. And you know, you can probably understand why we don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience too. Yeah. Yeah. So would you would you say like if I'm holding my baby and my phone is on my in my purse or in my back pocket that's a problem or is it more when i give my phone to my 2 year old to hold and watch a video while i'm at the doctor's office like where's the biggest problem is it when the baby's actually holding the phone or is it if it's on mom too if i think the close closer proximity is 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 not good so wherever that close proximity is and it's not good for mum either you know, yeah. when whenever you have your phone on, put it on airplane mode. It's it's quite easy, and if you need to call and you need to check your phone, you take it off airplane mode. It's it's yeah. it's quite easy to Super do. Easy. And I think, yeah, and just yeah. do not have it in your bedroom. Turn it off. Take it out. Yeah. Turn it on airplane. You know, do as many things as you can. Yeah. So you know, giving children the the phones obviously would probably be the the top <laughs> number one. Do not. <laughs> yeah. And download things. Put it on aeroplane if you really need to go to the doctor's office and have them take things that you can just play on a video. Don't get them playing games. So there's so much you can do, but it's more so just that ease of use when you're just in that situation that people go to, that automatic, which is not ideal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. I I feel really blessed because I have a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old, and we didn't have cell phones when they were little. No, no. We didn't have to worry about it. And, it, you know, it wasn't an issue. And now, you know, I just see, you know, you're in the supermarket and you see kids with phones just holding them, being entertained by them. And I just don't even know what the long term outside the EMFs, what does that do to brain development? It really, it really concerns me. Absolutely. What do you think about if you you mentioned a little bit about birth before I go on to the teenage years? Mm. Do you think if you're a mother of a child who was born by C-section compared to a vaginal birth that you would need to change some of your optimization strategies? Do they need to be a little different for a C-section versus a vaginal birth baby? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the birthing, it's, it's a complete topic in itself. And preparation for the birth, you know, in the fear, there's hypnobirthing, there's meditations you can do. Mm. That aids because of the fact that when fear comes, we're not in our innate, you know, animal mind for birth. So we need to be able to bring ourselves down Mm. into a nice, beautiful state of relaxation and in any different way that can look like. So, you know, we have soft touch massaging. 
had a home birth for my second. My husband was playing didgeridoo and crystal bowls and I had music and it was just this oh. beautiful, safe environment. Oh. <laughs> and a Amazing. Water birth. Yeah, yeah. The first birth wasn't, it, we had sort of two different looking birds, which is fantastic in itself. But that put me into a state and, and other women as well that you could really just, just hunker down and just, just feel your body and work with your body and work with the baby. And so when the fear comes up, and there's so many studies on this, so that's when the pain comes in, that when that, that's mm. when that restriction happens and you feel the pain. So that in itself is a beautiful entry into the, into the world, but a lot of women don't get that, and that's okay. Mm. Yeah. So when, when we do have a C-section, that would be something that we're looking for, majority of, of having a similar environment where mum's still relaxed, baby can still feel everything. Mm. trying to have cord clamping delayed slightly so we're, we're getting the pulsation finishing as well as looking at a swab of the vagina into the mouth of the baby and then skin to skin. So they're all really massive developmental um, or health optimization actions that we would mm. need to, to have a healthy baby come into the world. And then after that with the C-section, then you would be ideally giving baby a little bit more probiotic support just for that initial development of, of that gut immune. So, you know, and, and then we've got other aspects, breast milk. and <laughs> Right, right. So if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're 30 years old and you were born by C-section, help yeah. us understand what, does, what a C-section baby doesn't get compared to... Uh, a vaginal birth and can we go back and and undo the damage that a c-section may have done for our microbiome yeah i um first of all and i say this to everyone because i think it's always nice to have a positive spin on health and everyone that walks in here is that the body is incredible and it can yes, heal it anything yes. if given the right circumstances so you can always undo, you can always, um, you know, reignite the body's healing capacity. You've just got to work with it. You've just got to give it what it needs. So that's really important to understand. So there's always a positive spin on this. So if you're 30 and you've had been born by C-section, you would probably notice a few things, maybe, maybe not, immune deficiencies possibly or getting sick more often or just not that strength of the gut that you would normally expect. So... Firstly, what, what, what's missing is when the baby normally comes through the birthing canal and it takes a massive big gulp of that first inoculation bacteria and it goes down and it starts to inoculate straight away. So when we miss out on that, it means that we don't get that initial inoculation from our mother, but we only get the environmental inoculation because that, and that could be limited, it could be different. So when we're looking at a 30-year-old, then we just really need to make sure that our environment in our gut is optimal. So that could be food, fibre, mm. decreasing toxins, healing, you know, the hyperpermeability or the, the, the leaky gut aspects of the, the, the mucous membrane lining or the lining of the gut, making sure that we're not stressed, you know, looking after our emotion because that in itself has a huge impact on gut health and liver detoxification, et cetera, et cetera. So really just a, a really good gut protocol and looking after our environment, all the things we've spoken about already and our nutrients internally. Yeah. So it. yeah. Always. Yeah. I love the idea too, that the body heals itself. And this is what I, one of the messages that you and I share, which is you, it's never too late. You can always undo this. You just have to be aware 
of what this modern environment did to you. And I think that it's the unawareness, people being frustrated with their health that is, is unfair. You know, it's like, because we're not getting answers in standard healthcare offices. And yet you take a 30 year old who, um, you know, has SIBO and is bloated all the time. And is that doctor having a conversation with that 30 year old that perhaps born by C-section contributed to a a deficient microbiome that now is showing up in her thirties. These are the kind of conversations I don't see have people having with their doctors. And I think they would be so helpful. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in my initial intake form, all of that's on there, you know, I put in all of the aspects, you know, do you have heavy metals? Have you had implants? And that's just my initial look over, let's say, and then we go into detail about everything. Have you been breastfed? Have you, you know, what sort of births did you have? What, What sort of life traumas have you had? All those impact every aspect of our health. And, and we need to be knowing about that. So then we can go under and fix all that. And that's that base cellular level or base energetic level or base environmental level, however way you want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Super exactly. important. Yeah. So I, I think that when we look at like the next stage of life, which is puberty, that's the sort of where I go after seven, I think zero to seven is really important because of the blood brain barrier. And then I, I call it the three P's puberty, pregnancy, and perimenopause. When we have these big hormonal swings there, this is, these are moments where women specifically their health gets off track. So help us understand at puberty, what could we do? Like, let's say I have an 11 year old who's Mm -hmm. about to go into puberty. Would there be anything that I could do to make sure that that transition into puberty was as smooth as possible? Yeah. Again, applying what we've talked about, it is a common thread. (laughs) So we've got environmental aspects and looking at that, what are exposed at that sort of, you know, year level or life stage or lifespan stage, then that would be, again, you know, toxic counterparts from foods. So we are, first of all, cleaning up the food and educating because it's such a powerful time of their life where they're, they're influenced so much that they, and they have a base knowledge already from schooling, from education. So you can educate and have the power to really influence the rest of their life at this particular time. So I find that's one of the most important aspects. Then looking at obviously cleaning up in terms of the oils, what we might see in a teenage, you know, in the teenage years, we look at the skin conditions, the gut health, the stress, because stress increases dramatically because of the schooling and the education level that they go into, peer groups and friends. So Totally. The solid foundation of, of, of emotional support and knowing where they stand. So you've got to give them sort of that grounding where they can go, you know, they, they get a peer coming up and go, oh, do you want to try this? Oh, no, 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 I know that's not going to really serve me well. Yep. You know, to a certain extent, they always want to try new things and that's okay. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. Yeah. So just that, you know, base understanding. Like, so, for example, my son, who who is only nine, but he says to me, you know, we'll, we'll have, we'll go out and he'll have some chips or some cake or something like that at a party. He's like, you know, I don't want any more because I know I'm going to feel really bad tomorrow. Yeah. So it's that base understanding of like, if I have more, I can have it, but I know what it's going to do to me. And then I can make a choice whether I'm going to have it or not. So that's really yeah. important. 
Yeah. Linking discomfort to food, I think is a a missing piece. Mm. If they can understand you feel bad because you ate bad there, they don't, a lot of teenagers aren't making that link. So yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And overdoing certain things. So I get a lot of teenagers in here with fatigue, with, you know, really bad, obviously gut health and skin conditions. And what they're doing as well is they're, they're overdoing it, they're under-eating, they're over-exercising or they're doing more, too much sport or they're on technology too much. There's ex- excessive use of things mm. So in, in, all, in all areas of their life. So really trying to bring back a little bit more balance in there so they feel more emotionally stable. And, again, that mm. plays into hormonal regulation and building that really healthy system of change that's going to happen really quick. So nutrients are really important and I do focus on that a lot. And then in my practice, I can then focus on herbs and things that can help, you know, adapt the nervous system or adapt the hormonal system in a very basic way. Yeah. One thing I did with my teenagers that I found helpful because every time they left the house to go hang out with friends, I just felt so out of control. So I said, okay, the food we have in the house is going to be one way. This is the healthy way. So don't bring the bad food in here. This is a sanctuary for nutrition. And then, uh, you know, you get to decide when you leave the house, what you're going to engage in. And then you can decide how you feel after the two different types of food. You tell me how you feel. And it, it really worked to train them to start to see, they can even taste, both my kids now can taste chemicals versus non-chemical foods because they've been in this environment where nutrition was such a key part and I do think taste buds can come in handy at that moment. Oh, absolutely. And my, my kids with water, for example, you know, we, we go somewhere and there's no filtered water or there's no really pure water and they drink and they're like, oh, mom, <laughs> You're like, you've been doing reverse osmosis your whole life. You've had the gold, guys. Yeah, you've had the gold. So, and then they, they obviously are like, oh, no, I'd rather not have anything. Is there any other water? Mom, go to the shop and buy some more water. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm 
actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Yeah, what else, like, and before we move on to, like, your 20s, and I really want to move into this idea around preconception and what, what we can do to prepare a woman for a, a really healthy pregnancy, what about things like uh, cell phones with kids, kids mm. sleeping with cell phones near them, um, like, what do we need to think about electronics, because this younger generation is growing up in that, and then yeah. in the same question, a lot of things that I'm seeing is happening for teenagers is that they're being put on birth control girls be, to help regulate hormonal health. What are, what are the long-term damages of those two activities? Yeah. So you're right. And there, there is so much more exposure and even now the media and the influences are so strong at that age. You know, they're, they're looking yeah. to find themselves. They're finding that new level of who am I? What, what does that mean for me? And so I, I'm influenced by a lot of things that look like they're cool or that could be part of myself. So when you see, you know, Apple you know, ear pods and things like that coming in. Yep. Yeah, I had a, had a, a teenager come in the other day and the mum said, look, she's just gotten these new ear pods, uh, that, so the ones with no cords, um, and she said, could you, could, are they good, are they bad? Could you tell me, like, you know, what they're like for her? And I said, do you want the truth? Do you, do you really want the truth? Do you want me to tell you exactly why, I, I, you know, what, what, what about this is what we're talking about? Yeah. And she said, yes, we want, we want to know. And I said, they're horrible. You, you need to throw them out. <laughs> and, and that in Explain itself. Explain why. I will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when we've got a lot of, you know, like pretty much you can think of it as an antenna and you can think of it as a as sort of a microwave, you know, if you want an analogy of some sort. So when we're looking at these signals coming in and we're looking at these sorts of things come through in a wireless sense, then we're heating the brain, we're causing increased damage and more so that, that heat aspect from the vibration of the electromagnetic frequencies. So this yeah. can have a huge impact on, on brain function, or even, you know, down the track, we could look at cancers and things like that. So, tech, you know, inflammation in the brain is not good. We know that. So when you're looking at trying to learn and we're changing and the, the major player of hormonal regulation is, you know, parts of the brain. Right. <laughs> Particularly hypothalamus. So these have huge impacts on then emotional and hormonal regulations. So that in itself these changes in technologies, like I said earlier, is this, this adaption has not happened. We are not caught up. Our bodies aren't used to any of this yet. It's happened too quick. So we are bound to have, you know, inconsistencies in health because of these things, because our yeah. body is just not ready for it. Yeah. So what we can do is obviously educate. It's one of those hardest things. The phone is a really hard thing. You see everyone everywhere with the phones. Yeah. It's a way of connecting now, I don't worry so much. I worry more about the lack of connection and the human connection mm. more so than the technology itself because of the fact that that's taken away from it and that has a wider impact on a person's health, yeah. that community, that, that that energetic connections than even the technology itself. It all does yeah. have. Huge. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with the phones in itself, you, you've got constant on and that's nervous system and that then feeds into hypothalamus, mm. stress, HPA access, all these things that are going to disrupt hormones. 
And then you've also got the dopaminergic systems, the addiction system, you know, all these sorts of things that we're looking at. And then the gaming, the game is huge with teenagers, yep. huge. Lack of inactivity comes out of that and that has a different, whole different, you know, health consequence. So I think it's one of the major struggles or changes that we need to make, but they're the hardest changes to make is this technology. So that's where I sort of start looking at the teenagers or even the children from an earlier age looking at trying to balance their bodies with healthy food, healthy nutrients and healthy emotional stability and then they can make choices where, oh, I don't, I don't feel good doing this. I feel out of kilter. I know what my normal level is. So getting them to that I feel good state and then they know what it feels like to come off that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm, well said. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what about, what about birth control? Like what do you think about? I know it's kind of a totally different topic than uh, our AirPods or our phones, but it's another barrage of hormonal disruption for a teenage girl. Is there something that we would need to worry about? Is there a way to rectify the damage that her birth control pills might do? Or is it a good option? Maybe it's a good option. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say here, Mindy. <laughs> Number one, I say education. So, you know, you break you break it down for them. Why? What is the pill? What is it doing to me? Because a lot of clients, a lot of women I speak to still think that they're having a real period on the pill, on the contraceptive pill. And mm-hmm. that, for me, is shocking. Oh, you know, interesting. How, how has a doctor not told them that this is actually not a real period? Oh, <laughs> hold on a second. So... Firstly, I break it down. So then the education is there. They know that that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's that's where we're coming from. And then we look at the consequences for the body. So is it going to really fix your skin conditions? Well, no, it's not because it's just put you into a steady state of, you know, hormones that have never seen been seen by the body in an unnatural state. And then as soon as you take those away from it, the body's going to have to overcompensate for a certain period of time. So it's actually going to get worse mm. when you get off it. Mm. Then when we're looking at mood changes, well, there's studies, there's so many studies that are showing that birth, you know, birth control or, you know, inconsistencies in nutrition, which the birth control can take out through liver metabolism and, 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 and even gut support and gut health and lack of those natural hormones coming through the body that can all change the mood in, in worse ways. So why would we take it to then fix the mood? So right. breaking it down for them like that. And then obviously there's the obvious, we don't want to get pregnant. But that comes in a lot later normally. Normally when the doctor's going first up, they go, oh, we've got inconsistencies in periods. We've got bleeding inconsistencies where we're, we're too painful or we've got skin conditions. Well, you've only given it a less than a year for the for the hormonal system to start. It's just getting started. Give it a chance. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the full step. You know, like what? Why are we so quick to jump in and change the environment quickly with a drug? Yep. Well, with well fake hormones, I say. Yeah. So it's really you know, and and those pain that that pain's coming from somewhere. That skin conditions coming from somewhere inconsistencies in the body's capability of dealing with toxins or, you know, hormone regulation or, or, or pushing it through. And, and a lot of the time it comes from liver or liver metabolism, mm. liver detoxification. So I focus on that a lot for the younger teenagers to get them ready and then education around food because that offsets all of that. Mm, I love that. 
then, then obviously looking at from that perspective, they uh, the, the obvious sign is I don't want to get pregnant. So what do we do? Because again, mum's like, well, you know, daughter's going out into the world. I don't want to. I don't want them getting pregnant. That could be the worst thing for them. So once you have your period ready and and and, and looking at trying to normalize that, which should happen by the time they're ready to have the intercourse. You know, I know everything's not ideal, but. At that point, you should know exactly where your cycle is going and this natural mm-hmm. fertility methods and the temperature tracking and just being aware of the body, just bringing attention back into the body and tracking mucus and all these sorts of things can be such a powerful tool for women going forward. So that's what I try and teach my women, my younger teenagers, is looking at those aspects to try and empower them because then they know their bodies. Okay, so this window, then that's a big no-no. And I know this is not ideal because sometimes they can switch and change, which can be a dangerous thing. So the only other option that I generally look at for for women, and this is not teenagers though, the majority of the time, is copper IUDs. And I'm still not a big fan of those. Yeah. 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 Yeah, We've looked at it. I've, I've investigated all the different options and I just have come to, there's not a great one. So I do agree. I do agree that if you're mature enough and you can start to do temperature and mucus changes, that's Mm. phenomenal. But, you know, as ask any parent that's, uh, you know, had a teenager, your, your teenager is not going to think about that. So it is a little bit challenging, Exactly. uh, but I hear you. I hear you. It's a tough one. Okay, yeah. what about um, 20 and 30? These years, I'm going to just put them as our fertility years. Do you oh. think that before a woman decides to get pregnant, that she needs to do some type of preconception detox, that she needs to think about the environment that she'll be growing a baby in? Do you, th- do you feel like we're missing that in our culture? And do you feel like that's really necessary for women? Yes, uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> it's definitely necessary. I say minimum of six months preconception preparation is that that's what I look at as an, an absolute minimum. One year or more is obviously ideal. Now, where we're looking at is epigenetics. So, no matter what we do, there is a component of coming through from grandma what they have done is going to influence us slightly. So there is a a portion out of our control, but there is a lot in our control. And so when we're looking at women in their fertility years, the major players I find would be toxins, environment. So really bring into awareness. And again, the testing, like I mentioned, I always do a lot of heavy metal testing, metabolomic testing to see exactly where the cells are functioning at, mitochondria function, all those sorts of things. So then we know exactly what we're dealing with as well as gut health and obviously anything else that they're trying to heal. We're seeing so many different conditions coming through, PCOS, endometriosis and and all of those, and and even thyroid. We support and I support all of those in women before they try and, you know, trying to get pregnant. The major player, though, also is other than the environmental, it's the environmental stress, It's 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 the constant busyness that we're feeling the overscheduling of women we naturally tend to go to a more multitasking brain so we're always in that fight flight perceived stress as i put it and the body doesn't know the difference between you know a real stress from a bear running after you versus you being too busy in your day 
So we, we never give it that chance. And I, and I put it very simply to my clients. I say, well, if, you're, if you were running from a bear, would you want to have sex and make a baby? Uh, no. <laughs> well said. Neither does yeah. your body. <laughs> well said. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So, and they, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do need to calm it down a little bit. Of course I do. Like my body's not going to want to produce something when it feels like it's running constantly. Yeah. So there's that, 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 that's a major player and that's one of the first things I look at for women. And then the, the inconsistencies from that stress, you know, the nutritional deficiencies, the mineral deficiencies, the, the organ insufficiencies and digestion insufficiencies, even just from that stress state. So we, we look at all of them and helping them adapt, giving them the skills and all that sort of stuff. So, Yeah. Do you think that if you go into pregnancy deficient, that you'll come out of pregnancy even more deficient? I say yes. In general terms, I would say yes, because I've seen it in the bloods. I've seen it in in the testing. I've seen it, you know, women who go in deficient tend not to catch up. So, And then they have another one. And then they have another one and they're more stressed and they're, you know, sleep deprived and they've got less time. So there's all these factors that I do tell my women as well, saying, well, when you're looking at this, think of yourself being in a less of a healthy state. Not always, but I say you're going to have more demands on you after when the baby is born, plus breast milk, plus feeding. And to know this stuff, to prepare your body beforehand is invaluable for you and the baby and the family. So your coping strategies are better. So, yeah, I I believe wholeheartedly that we need to be doing preconception care. It's not just enough to test for rubella and folate. (laughs) Like, come on, we need to be able to actually give the woman a a fighting chance and and give them the healthy body that they can provide and, and have the beautiful, you know, experiences after that because their body is feeling better. Yeah, I feel like there's these big gaps of of a lack of information for women. And the gaps are when you get your period for the first time, you should be, somebody should sit down with you and show you what a hormonal cycle looks like and talk about estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone and how you can live a life that flows, no pun intended, but flows in accordance with that. And pregnancy, I feel like is the same thing. It's one of those moments where we need to sit women down before she gets pregnant and say, here, if you go into pregnancy deficient, you'll come out deficient. And then it just will perpetuate. If you go in toxic, you pass that toxic load down to your child. Like these are massive gaps of information that are missing that are so crucial to a person's health. Do you, and I, like, how do we fix this outside of a podcasts like this and the work you and I are doing, like we have to fix these gaps of knowledge because, because the human race is suffering because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to touch on a few more things. You know, when you're looking at that first period time, that's an empowering stage as same with pregnancy. It's this, it's this, you know, bridge over to the next stage of of womanhood. And then you, you know, you're a mom and then even into the menopause, You know, it's all these bridges that we need to be able to cross confidently with empowerment and be able to get there, you know, feeling like you've got this or I've got enough to get there. The the yeah. the periods, they're shunned upon and they're they're humiliated. Yes. It's just it's disgusting. And I think um yes. 
the first stage is obviously, as you say, there's people like you and me and other practitioners really empowering the younger girls to go, well, this is a period cup. This is what your blood looks like. This is what the stages of that. Let's have a red tent celebration of coming into yes. a woman. This is incredible. This is powerful. Totally incredible. Yeah. So that, that I think is happening a lot more. And I am seeing that a lot more. It's sort of, yeah. sort of like an awakening in a sense from where I am. Um, yeah. But again, I've got blinders on because I'm always looking for the good parts. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And then into pregnancy, there is not just the gap in in looking at how or, or how we can you know remove those toxins out of our environment or any of those aspects. It's just it, I see so many of my pregnant women come back in after their birth, going, they didn't even tell me I was going to get cramps when I started breastfeeding again straight after birth. But my uterus was going to contract and I was going to get more cramping. I didn't even, no one even told me that. I'm like, crazy. I know. I I didn't even know I was going to have this sort of thing happen to me or that happened to me. Didn't even know what a plug was. I didn't even know what that mucus plug was. Didn't even know what. So I am so passionate about giving women as much positive information, never putting a negative spin on it because that creates the fear on how they can prepare themselves. Well, this could happen and that's fine. That's normal. You do this. Normal. Yep. Yeah, then you could, you know, this could happen and that's fine. And then you do this, 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 this. So, you know, and breastfeeding, all those sorts of things that women, it's so overwhelming. It's all brand new and, and no yep. one tells you anything about it. Oh, you'll be fine. See you later. Off you go. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> that's right. all you get yeah. for a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And when the symptom shows up, let's medicate it. I mean, that's the thing is that we have been taught that symptoms are horrible and we should make them go away. But if, as you start to work in alignment with your body, you start to see that the symptoms are giving you indications as to what you need to change in your lifestyle and that it, we, we we need to flip the idea that a symptom is bad. Like we need to flip that on its head and look at it as just feedback. It's just feedback from your, from your body. Absolutely. So, <laughs> I say yeah. to my clients all the time, I say, you know, your, your gut's causing you, your, your dramas, you got a bit of diarrhea, that's okay, or anything that they're experiencing. I'm like, is your body going, wait, excuse me, hello, hello. <laughs> like, right. give me something down here, I need some help. Like, just look at it right. like that. You need to look at it any other way. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, so now let's go to 40 and 50. So as you're going into perimenopause and then into menopause, is there anything that we need to think of as we to optimize our health as we're moving through those decades? Well, I think reading your book is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's why I wrote it. Like, I really wanted people to like at 40, like, here's what you need to know. But so thank you. I, I agree. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so if they, you know, if they've read your book and, and gotten in early, then the preparation is the key because you, you know, uh, after you've had children or even if you haven't, things are changing and you, you've lived a certain life in a certain way. So to understand that it's not always going to be that same same thing happening. It doesn't have to be a bad change, but it just means that, again, like when we go into puberty, there's things that are going to change slightly in our body. So we do something about it. We make our body cope better. So that optimization of your body at a different stage of life is really important to understand that it's not a bad thing either. Yes. So... The specific things obviously looking at, it's very similar to, I would say, a preconception. You know, you make sure your body is lack of toxins. You make sure your stress is taken well controlled or to care of. Um, You're looking at certain aspects of awareness of the body. You know, what are the signals? What are the signs? What are the symptoms? You know, 
good fast, you know, fasting, like you say, is a really good way of doing sorts of all sorts of different resets in the body and, and detoxes in the body, and then you know, good water and good nutrition, all those sorts of things. So I would say the differences between them would be just knowing the different signs and symptoms and how the hormones are going to change and how your body is going to feel different, adapting certain life or lifestyles and exercises and eating habits slightly different to then prepare yourself for that smoother transition. Yeah. And there's aids, you know, on top of that, you don't need to take the medications in the majority of the time. You can support yourself with herbs or specific nutrients to get you back into that balance again. And then the body takes over from there. Again, like yeah. I say, it's, it's bringing your body back into that optimal state and then let it go, let it fly, let it let it vibrate and embrace it. Yeah. 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 I was thinking as you were talking, do you think that medications become more necessary when you are living in a reactive healthcare model as opposed to a proactive healthcare model? So at each one of these phases, we're talking about the environmental demands on the body. And Mm -hmm. if you go into each phase, knowing that you're going to have these environmental demands, do you feel like if we had a plan and we lived a different lifestyle, knowing that the demands were changing, that our hormones were changing, that we wouldn't necessarily need to lean into medication to solve the problem the way we have been? Absolutely. And it's one of those things where you look at if you're if you're not going into something prepared, then your your body is going to be struggling. And that struggle yeah looks like a health condition or an illness you know or a disease where you're you're unbalanced in some sort of way shape or form so then the medical model that we're used to looks at how can we fix this from here how can we fix right. this from top down and yeah, that is okay. the medications but then as we know the, the the further implications from those can unravel or or, or further def- put deficiencies in or you know Toxic toxins as well, cellular toxins, endo, exo, all those toxins that we, we talk about already, that comes from those sorts of aspects as well. And I really, I really like this saying from um, one of my mentors, Dr. Ted, and he says that, you know, when he had a conversation with a, a doctor and they said, look, your, your nutrients are upsetting, you know, your, your vitamins, your minerals, your things that you're trying to put in are upsetting my client's medications. And he said, well, my nutrients have been seen by the body before. Your medications and drugs have not been seen by the body before in an evolutionary sense. So uh, for me, that was quite clear. You know, when when you've not seen something in the body before, then what's the body going to react like? <laughs> was, right. What, what, what's this thing? Hold on yeah. a second. We need to compensate now. Hold on. Let's take yeah. some more out, shift things around, and we need to detox more, and we're using up more nutrients. So, of course, it's going to unstable the body. So if we can do it without that, then that's obviously the optimal. Yeah. And so for sure, I think that preparation, that plan means that the body is going to transition naturally. And that, for me, makes so much sense. Do you think we have more faith in medicine than we do our own bodies? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you hear it all the time. I'm sure you do too, where people say, my doctor said that this is what I need to do. Oh, okay. So what did your body tell you you need to do? Right. <laughs> oh, well, I've got symptoms now because I've started taking this drug and I've got higher blood pressure and I've got headaches. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Is this, yeah. this good or is this bad? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're, I've noticed that we're just way more fearful of the symptoms and signs that our body gives us than we are of the downside of medication, that it's more scary to live with the symptom than to take a medication. We never, we're not willing to look at the downside of medication. We're always looking at the upside and, and then the, the medical profession's not always being, uh, upfront about the downsides. So I'm really looking forward to a world where this starts to shift and we go and we look at our own body first and we say, what is it that we can do to maximize what we've already been given that Mm. was already, that's already there. And then if we're doing everything possible, then we lean in on medicine. It would be like, you know, doing the reverse of how we're doing it now, which is more along the lines of, gosh, medicine's not working for me. I'm getting sicker. Now maybe I should go look and understand my body. Do you yeah. think if we flipped that, we could really prevent a lot of the chronic disease issues that we have going on right now? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. I think that that shifting focus or that turning upside down, like you say. And, you know, when I, when I do my studies and I've been doing my master's, all these sorts of things, it really looks at that health belief model. And the health belief model in itself, I'm not sure if you've heard, heard of that or looked at it too much, but it's really based on that, that fear. So it's that perpetual fear of am I going to be susceptible to a disease and that makes me take action. So mm. we need to change that model. And a lot of the research, a lot of the strategies, a lot of the changes in a government sense or a country sense in health strategies comes from this sort of this health belief model. And so we really need to try and change that health belief model and get people initiated in change in a different way versus fear because that's perpetuating that cycle of unhealthiness and fear driven by cortisol and then further unstabilising the body. Hmm. So Love that. From from that topic, because I always look at, okay, so we can do it from the, the people and we are starting to do that and then the ripples happen, you know, teaching practitioners and sharing with students, like when I'm lecturing, looking at how how to spread that ripple wider and wider and wider and obviously chatting and podcasts, all these sorts of things really help. But from from that bigger aspect, from that macro environmental aspect, we're really needing to to change some of those policies and models and strategy sense so we we can get that going and that's educating those people who are making those changes. And so that's, it's a huge task, but it's, I think it's possible because what's working now is not working. You know, what, what's, right. what's happening now is not working. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's look for options. Let's actually look at a preventative care specific model. And then that takes pressure off all of those hospitals and, and you know, oh. subject- the amount of money saved would be incredible. So exactly. what do you think of uh, anything different we need to think beyond postmenopausal into our senior years that we haven't discussed, discussed yet? Anything that we need to like add in so we don't get Alzheimer's and dementia? You know, a lot of postmenopausal women set themselves up for cancers and heart attacks. Anything that you would add to this conversation that should be different as we get into those senior years? Mm. I, I dabble in, you know, looking at a few certain things in terms of the nutrients, but a lot of it maintains the same changing as our body changes and, and our life stage, stages change. What the obvious thing is, as, as you're very much well aware of, is the, the drop in hormone, 
hormonal yeah. influence in the body and that leads into bone density issues and brain function issues. So trying to optimise those hormones or keeping those steady flow of hormones coming through so they don't drop off so suddenly, it gives you a little bit more preventative you know, focus. But again, the toxins come into play, the environment, the stress, the exercise, the hormone, you know, all those stressors that we have, as well as those nutrients and you know, detoxification of organ strategies and system strategies that we need to put into place do remain quite the same. Uh, but I think what we miss in our society, and I, I, we haven't gone into very many specifics today, but I think having a bit of an overarching look at this, you know, you can always look at those specific nutrients you need in menopause and, you know, for bone density. But I think women in their older years have lost that wisdom where we're meant to be having in a menopause and after menopause, you know, that 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 wiser elder over the, the other mm. women and the teacher so that missing gives us a lack of passion in those years or a lack of purpose in those years, and that influences our health so much, so much. Yes. So if we're not feeling needed or we're not feeling empowered in a sense, then we wither, we're not using that, we're not feeling like we're, we're, we're worthy you know, citizens or, or people. Yeah. So finding something that you can pass on or really be passionate about or teach or you know, be involved in in some way, shape or form, I think that's missing for those older generations. Oh, I love that. I, yeah. yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, my Reset Academy is pretty much menopausal women, 40 and over, that are mm -hmm. learning about their hormones for the first time. And one of the things that I always tell them is, okay, the first thing is let me teach you about your hormones. Let me help you understand where they are in your life. And then what I want you to do is go down and teach your daughter. And mm -hmm. someday when you have a granddaughter, I want you to teach your granddaughter. Like there's so much wisdom that we as women can impart to each other. Um, and I never, I, I, I hadn't fully brought to consciousness this idea that not only is it important for the younger generation, but it is also important for the older generation because it gives them purpose. That was just beautifully mm. well said. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, love I, I think it's missing. There's a block there in our society, you know, yeah. all over. You know, elderly are shunned upon again, just like the periods when we're first coming into to, to puberty. Oh, yeah. there, you know, a lot it, you see it in the media. Oh, they're taking up space. You know, lots of healthcare, you know, providers are having to focus on this. The hospitals are full of them. The help, you know, all of this sort of stuff. I'm like, why are we, why are we speaking about them in this way? They're, they're our wisdom. They're there are there are focus that we should be learning from versus you know throw them over there and, and see you later. It's, it's awful, and that feeds down. That's that media that 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 horrible yeah. toxicity that comes from. That's one part of the toxicity that we didn't even speak about is that that media that that yes. that influence coming from yeah. multiple areas. That's not even correct. Yes. Yes. So yeah, yeah it, it's so important for I think those older generation or those older older women to really feel empowered versus I'm taking up space. It's awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When the pandemic first hit, my parents, my dad is 84, my mom is 81, and mm -hmm. I 
said for the first couple of months, I'm like, I only, I really only have one focus right now. And that's my parents and to help them thrive in this, in this world. And you, it, what we did, I'm so proud of what we did because it was things like my mom loves to garden. And I was like, mom, you're going to like get in the garden and you're going to rub that dirt, like all over you. Like my, my dad loves to walk around outside without his shirt on. I'm like, dad, awesome. If you want to walk around naked in the backyard, just don't invite me over, but I, you know, get out and get some vitamin D. And then we talked about connection and how do we make sure that you guys don't get into this place of loneliness. We had a very extensive lifestyle plan for those two. And here we are a year later and they're healthier now than they were a year ago because we had a plan going into the pandemic. And I, I'm just so proud that they were willing to do something that was out of the box that really helped in that moment. So I do, I agree. The older we get, the more we are villainizing these conditions and these, and medication. And I feel like this, our seniors are the ones that need us and we, and we can't throw them aside because their wisdom is so important for our, our, for everyone. So how do we raise them up so they can turn around and raise us up? Yeah. And, you know, talking about Alzheimer's, which we didn't even get into, but, you know, obviously the inflammation and, and all the nutrients have really key aspects to that. But if you thought about it in that sense, where why are we getting Alzheimer's and dementia? Because we're not relying on our elders for wisdom that they're trying to depart on us. Mm. And we're not, we're not, you, they're not using those particular parts of their brain and, and knowing that they need to have them there to then give it to us. There's none of that. There's a complete break there. So ha- have we ever looked at that? That's, that's what I wonder, you know, those sorts of aspects. But that's hard to test scientifically, isn't it? That's hard yeah, to research. Very hard, yeah. So, oh, but I, I think, I yeah, definitely to be considered, I think. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. I have five questions for you to uh, summarize this whole conversation up though. I have to say how much I've enjoyed this perspective because it's one that I'm just so um, passionate about helping people see this different. We have too many people suffering and they're suffering because of the paradigm they're living in. And when we have conversations like this and we change the paradigm, now we open up possibility. So I just thank you for engaging me in all those questions so that people can get a more complete picture. So, okay. One of my questions is if you could go back and I'm going to say to your 16 year old self, if you go back to your 16 year old self and give her advice, what would you say? Hmm. Oh, that's tricky. My 16 year old self, I think I was too concerned with external aspects of myself. So I was focused on how I look, how I am perceived. I would just say, be yourself and focus on what's making you better and not to worry so much about what other people think because you're the one and I know and I know this now and it gives you so much empowerment to know that to be different gives other people options and it, mm. and it imparts different forms of knowledge and to really really come into that difference and now I celebrate my differences you know when yeah. I get looked at weirdly for having a blue tongue or wearing something odd or eating something different it creates questions and people come up and say, oh, what's, what, what's that you got on, in, in your mouth? Oh, well, it's this. It's an opportunity for education. So I find that empowering now. 
And if they don't like it, then, well, not my tribe, you know, that yeah. sort of that Love sort it. of thinking. Whereas when I was 16 and most 16-year-olds, you really wanted to fit in and, and to know that you will find your tribe no matter what. It doesn't really matter how you are or what you're doing at that particular time. It changes dramatically after that. So just be yeah. yourself. Yeah. Oh, so well said. Okay, what book do you think every person, it can be women, men, both, every person needs to read? Like, what are some of the main, like, this is a, a book that everybody needs in their hands? Oh, oh, this is so, there's so many books. There's so many You books. can say more than one. We're creating a big book list for the, re- we've, we've learned some amazing ones in asking this question. Yeah. Do you know what? My favorite, and I, I think I'm going to get the title wrong, is, um, Dan Millman's uh, Warrior. I can't remember the, the actual. Yeah, the way of the peaceful warrior. The way of the peaceful warrior. Yep, that's one of my favorites because it teaches empowerment and change and and power of the mind. So that's one of my favorites. I'm actually reading one of my favorites at the moment called Letting Go, and I think because mm. of the 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 emotional aspect and suppression of emotions has huge parts to play on the physicality of our body so that that's where I'm, I, I like to, to bring the bridge together yeah um the other ones I think well I think the menopause reset <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're too kind <laughs> because there's nothing like that out there at all and I think mm, yeah, so you. many of my clients have already read your book and they mm. are loving it since you I've had you on the podcast yeah Uh, thank you that's one of them and um the the period repair manual or Mm. in the flow something like that for particularly when we're talking about women yeah girls young women reading those books to actually bring awareness into periods and how they can empower themselves and I really like Alyssa Vitti's point of view from the in the flow where you're empowering yourself that 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 each stage is like a superpower and I love that it's so cool yeah (laughs) I love it yeah yeah so we're talking today I think they're the good books yeah awesome okay cool um what health habit do you have right now that you feel like is impacting your health the most and you would you could never give up never give up Mm. Ooh, oh, there's too many. Uh, I think exercise and meditation or, or time for myself, I could never give that up. And I, I say time for myself, meditation, because I feel like having space for creativity, mm-hmm. for mental clarity is one of those things that if I don't get that, I, I, I can't be who I am. And so that's one of the most important things for me to reset. Um yeah, exercise, again, is this moving meditation for me, whatever shape, form, and I tell my clients this as well, where you don't have to go for a bolt, you know, a massive run. You don't have to go to a gym class. Walking, admiring, and awareness of the environment you're in is also powerful for that movement aspect. Um, and other detox strategies. I think I can't live without my infrared sauna. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Well said. They're the three would be yeah. at this of my life um family it comes into it too like my kids have taught me so much becoming a mother for me was the most incredible journeys the preamble as well as into motherhood has really just just heightened me and I say this to so many of my clients too it's so important to recognize that becoming a mother really transforms you literally transforms you that birthing process through to 
looking after something and even the, the energetic transfer across, incredible. And so agreed. embrace that as a mother. You know, don't see the medical, and I see the medical system, which really makes me quite angry, take that away from a lot of women. And I think mm. that needs to change. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. What's the most amazing healing story that you've seen, like with a patient? What was like the biggest turnaround that you have seen using the principles that you talk about and that you do with your patients? Mm. Uh, I have I have a client at the moment, and we're still sort of we're we're on our way. Um, it's not quite there, but he he has it's an incredible story. So he he was he's twenty six. And he went away to Vietnam and he got really sick. He was a surfer, really active guy, really healthy, you know, as he thought. He got really sick and he went into a couple of years where he was chronic fatigue and he couldn't even get off the couch. When I first saw him, he was, and I, you know, he, he was just so lack of vitality. He couldn't even look you in the eye. He couldn't even talk. He didn't have the energy to talk. Fast forward six months, you know, his goal was to get in his car and go down to the beach and be able to walk from his car to the beach. That was his goal. And his second goal was to walk around the block. And his third goal was to go to the shop and get some food. Hmm. And for me, it was the most, you know, I, I was pretty much crying in this because I thought how much we take for granted what we can yeah. do in our life and how how other people cannot, you know, how disadvantaged, not disadvantaged, but what they wish for that we see as a normal thing every day and even complain about it sometimes. Yeah. So, so fast forward that six months, he's now walking to the beach and putting his feet in on, on, on some days. He's driving the car on his own. And he, the, the changes weren't major, you know, when you look at it, you know, he didn't, input all these massive amounts of things. It was just being understood, listened to, giving hope and mm. just correcting some of those nutritional deficiencies and more mitochondrial stabilisation, you know, making sure that, that we had everything there. But where I say even to my students and to other health practitioners is the most power we have is that connection, is that, that ability to connect with the person in front of us and to give mm. them hope and to really transform their mindset on what's possible for their body. And in that itself, that's the change. Like that's the major change for someone. They can do the rest. Love that. Yeah. yeah, love that. I saw a quote from the Dalai Lama the other day where it was, I'm paraphrasing it, it was something along the lines of, we look for the big events in life to be the ones that bring us happiness, but it's the small, little, insignificant events over and over again in a daily 24-hour period that bring us happiness. And when you hear of somebody who can't walk, can't eat, I call it lights off where their brain is just not working right, they're missing those little opportunities of joy throughout the day. And that's, that is the worse than missing the big moments and the big highlights of life. So yeah, absolutely agree. Okay. Last question. If you had one message for the world that you could get into everybody's brain, what would that message be? <laughs> big questions. Maybe. I know I'm a big thinker. <laughs> I, I I'm the type of person when you sit next to me at a dinner party, we're not going to talk about the weather. We're going deep. <laughs> no, I love it. No, no, no wasting time on the no. weather. Um, one thing, ooh, 
your body can heal anything. And I, I think I just come back down to that because it really applies to a lot of different things. So just, just know, given the right circumstances, given the right support, your body can heal itself and do anything. Hey, Resetters, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for all your wonderful reviews and those of you that have left me comments on iTunes. I just greatly appreciate your thoughtfulness and how much you guys are enjoying these episodes. And it it seems like you're enjoying them as much as I am enjoying doing them. One of the things that I've learned in just interacting with so many people is that we've really lost the art of deep conversation. And for me, the Resetter Podcast stands for having meaningful conversations with people who are thinking about health, about life, about mindset in a way that we may not be getting on social media or in mainstream media. And so I just want to say, give you guys a shout out and just say thank you for participating in this process with me. Because as much as I absolutely love delivering the information to you, I love even more knowing knowing that it's impacting your life. So please let us know if there's anything we can do to make this podcast more customized to you, to make it better. We are now officially in season two, and we are working to bring you the best conversations that health influencers have, that mindset changers can give, and to really deliver you something that you're not able to get anywhere else. So from the bottom of my heart, as I always say in my YouTube, from the bottom of my heart, I am deeply appreciative of you. I am deeply grateful to be on this journey with you and let's get healthy together.